Tonight, we welcome a man whose contributions to the Phoenix and to the North Bay hardcore scene are many. We welcome a man whose nickname often precedes him. We welcome a man of faith who loves music, who loves food, who loves people. Tonight, Holy cow, the man just loves everything. He read my Facebook profile, Tonight, <laughs> we welcome a man named Matt Singer-Vossi, but who's Matt known Singer-Vossi. to many as Fat Matt. Matt Sanger-Vossi, among many other things, uh, promoted a good number of shows here in the mid-2000s. Yeah, from 2003 to 2006 or so, to that five. Yeah. Well, and and you then have, occasionally you, you still yeah, throw still, things at us. Yeah, I still did it every yeah, once absolutely. in a while. And you were responsible for you know, ushering in a, a group of people and a type of music that yeah, was underrepresented prior to your absolutely. involvement. Yeah. The thing about Matt Sanger-Vossi and, well, me, is you and I are two very, very different people. Yes. Very different people. Yes. But we have two things in common uh, that I can count that are very central to our beings. And number one is that we both started booking shows here with no experience whatsoever. That's Correct. true. And uh, through that, developed a deep, deep connection to this place. Yes. And they both became quickly became better bookers than myself, quite frankly. More Jim than me. Uh, that, no, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think, I think that, that comment leads me to believe that you don't give yourself enough credit. Yeah. A, lot of these peop- a lot of these people who still play punk in punk bands and who have gone on to uh, grow outside of Sonoma County, oh, a lot of them uh, owe you a debt of gratitude. Yeah, because true. you Because true. you gave them a Gilman Street in their backyard. And you could argue, you could argue, well, the building was already here. Sure, yeah. but you were able to, you were the piece of the puzzle that connected this with that, and then you you made a scene in yeah. this building. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely yeah. created a scene, and, and he kept me plugged into it some, sometimes when I, quite frankly, wasn't necessarily willing to stay plugged in. Yeah. Uh, yeah there were times were when for a while. shows, when it felt like shows were being shoved down my throat, and uh, and I'm so glad that and that's what it requires that I had someone like Matt to push these shows back into this house because it turns out as you look at where a lot of those musicians have gone holy cow they've all gone on many of them have gone on to do incredibly important things in music I think the big difference between you and me is you had more of an interest in community building and yeah. connecting dots and giving opportunities to local guys where my interest was more let's bring let's, let's, let's bring big national bands that otherwise wouldn't play Petaluma right. to Petaluma right yeah and, and, and certainly you had some of that success yeah yeah absolutely but, uh, but you and I I were trying to do two completely different things, yeah. and I and I would argue that we both accomplished and continue to accomplish in some ways yeah. those things. But we did have one goal, which was to make this place uh, have the best shows that we can have possible around here, and and, and, and make put a, a memorable. few of those together. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would argue that this building uh, and your role in, in bo- uh, booking shows and in your role in, in being at the center of booking uh, est- was a, played a major part in establishing your identity. Yeah, absolutely. and also uh, finding your community. Yeah, absolutely. And My also, faith too. yeah, and that's what I was going to say was yeah. bringing some faith into that community yeah. because through all of that, you were booking an awful lot of Christian core. And, right. And, uh, well, I was booking a lot of non-Christian bands, absolutely. and my whole purpose of starting to do booking was to bring Christian bands in. Yeah. And all of the bands that I was bringing in had at least one Christian band on the bill. Yes. But then when I started getting more into the hardcore scene and 
really just learning about the bands and stuff, I didn't, I stopped booking Christian bands. And that's where you and I kind of had that disconnect is where you're like, I thought you were booking all Christian bands. And then I yeah. had to tell you, you know, yeah, so I'm a Christian, blah, 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 you know, and it <laughs> never, you know, and then, then it just was like, I'm not booking Christian bands. But then, you know, something happened in my life where it really, um, you know, my relationship with my wife, really, like we started dating and like that really started getting me back into kind of, um, really seeing that the faith was the most important thing in my life. And so that really changed my focus on where I was going with my shows because I really kind of slowly moved away from booking the hardcore shows and started doing Christian hardcore. Yeah. And that's what kind of really was a different area. But that's an interesting thing because you as well, Tom, are a man of faith. Um, yeah, that's true. Yes. It's interesting. Um, has it been a thing in your life since you were a child? Uh, yeah, actually, it has. Um, you know, because I'm always uh, I'm such a fan of story. Yeah. And it was the way it was presented to me. Uh, it was uh, more of a personal relationship, because as you know, I'm not. I mean, if you don't know, I you know I don't go to things, and I don't I, I don't do well in groups and stuff like that. So, uh, but it was presented to me in such a way that you could have a. Uh, uh, a singular relationship with Christ, and and uh, I was uh, having a discussion with a friend one time, and uh, when I was very young, and I was a kid that was not comfortable in the dark, and always afraid of things around corners. And in one story, I was told, "Well, Christ said, uh, if you are afraid, call on me. All you have to do is tell me you believe in me, and call on me, and I will be there." And boom, it was like it was this huge light. And not only was I no longer afraid of the dark, I relish it. I love the dark. I love walking through dark forests. I love, love walking home at night. Uh, and here. when I get, yeah, but, but I believe yeah. that stuff. It's like I have an extra set of eyes behind me. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I started making deals. Holy cow, you can make deals with Christ. And here's the deal. It's one of my favorite stories. I sat on, I was probably in eighth grade, I bet, eighth or ninth grade, sitting on the apron of this stage. And I was looking back at the theater. It was before we opened the theater one day. It was a movie theater in those days. And we were getting ready to open it, but it hadn't opened yet. And I was sitting on the stage. I'd probably just gone backstage for, to get some candy or, or some ice cream or whatever out of the freezer we had back there. And I'm sitting on the front of the stage, and I look back at this glorious theater, and it was pristine in those days. And I said, God, I want to come back and run this place. And here I am. Yeah. Here's the deal. Any I think no, it's not a cost. I think you want to get that stuff in writing. I clearly meant I wanted to come back and run this as a movie theater. Uh, I can't help but notice that that's not exactly the way it worked out. Now I think if when I had made that deal with God, I had gotten it in writing and had a writer to go with it, I'd probably be still running this as a movie theater, which actually would not have been as great as what we've done here. So probably the way it worked out was better anyway. However. I think many of you have heard the story. Uh, this is the way it's going to work. When I die, I'm going to come back to a time, and, and I'm, I'm being more specific now. I want better skateboards than I had when I was a kid, and I would like to have a swimming hole on the river that I grow up on. Right. And so I'm working on that with God right now. We're making a deal, and I don't think he's quite there with this yet, but that's what's going to happen. I'm coming back to a swimming hole and better skateboards. I, I have two questions for either of you. Um, how do you feel when somebody changes their opinion of you because they learn that you're a Christ follower, number mm -hmm. one? And number two, how do you square the um, the sort of uh, hate and bigotry that has come out from the faith 
by an interpretation of the Bible where people use it to serve their own means to attack others, which is relates to the first question because a lot of people have seen the worst of what people can do with the Bible. And then they think that that is the only thing to be done with it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've always been about and Gaffey can probably attest to this is that I don't, I don't shove my faith down people's throat and I really try to meet people where they're at and, Really just try to love on them for who they are. And, you know, and if I can show Christ through my actions and through what I do, you know, um, sometimes my actions are not Christ-like because, you know, I'm, I'm human. I make, I make mistakes. I do. I think oh, I do more than I think. Now, granted, our um, beliefs are a lot different on a, on a, on a, on a perspective. And Absolutely. so, but I've always knew that Tom was um, somebody that, you know, I can go to for real life advice about things that, you know, that I couldn't go to maybe my past that I wouldn't feel comfortable going to my pastor about because, um, we've been through so much together that, you know, I look to you like a father figure, like I always have, I've always have had my dad and then Tom Gaffey. What would you say is the, you say there's big, uh, there's a gulf between your guys' faith. Well, just, Um, you know, let, let me go there, uh, because I'm willing to, because, uh, because of, of a lesson in junior high uh, where I came up with the uh, belief that what's real is magic was magic is real. Uh, I believe Christ is magic, but I believe Christ is real. And uh, uh, again, uh, it was a journalism teacher, Hayes Hunter, in, it was in ninth grade probably. And, and uh, uh, one day he said, you know why I believe in magic? Uh, wow, why do you believe in magic? Because a man and a woman can come together and put together two chemicals and create a life. That's magic. Well, it is alchemy when you get right down to it. That's true magic that happens before us every day, hundreds and hundreds of times a day on this planet. And there are many other examples of how that works. That is what I believe is the beauty of creation, however creation came. And I don't even want to get into that. Uh, And that is the belief of how faith can work. If you are willing to believe in a certain amount of magic, and I can only believe in that magic through Christ, and I always have, uh, magic is real to me. And there's a lot of Christians who think, what? How, how does that even square with faith? Because with me, it does. Uh, that's enough for me to know. I, the story is it was told to me. Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, his, his disciples and friends had, had, had a meal and were fairly drunk. We're tired and drunk and, and falling asleep. And the Garden of Gethsemane is up on the top of a ridge. And as you look down this ridge, you can see that uh, you would be able to see the torches of the Roman soldiers coming to get him. All he would have had to do, the Roman soldiers wanted him out of the area. Uh, They didn't want any more trouble from this guy. And if they would have just chased him over the ridge out into the desert and he disappeared, they would have let him go because they weren't going to follow this guy. He was kind of a low-level rabbi that was a rabble-rouser, but they could move him on, and then it could be somebody else's problem. He could have gone over that ridge and gone, but what he did was decide to stay, and he knew what his faith, what his fate would be. Uh, and it was not going to be a comfortable three or four days or whatever it took. And this is where I, I don't square with the Bible, even though I've done both classes. I've, uh, through the JC, I've taken the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament. But my mind doesn't remember those things. So how many days it took from the time he was arrested in the garden to the time he ended up on the cross, I don't know. But if this is the true story of Christ, he absolutely was willing to go through hell for what he believed in. And I have to ask myself, do I have that strength? 
Can I be that strong if the question is ever asked to me, will you die for your faith? Even today, I don't know if I have that strength, but this is the man that I want to follow. This is the ideal that I want to follow. I want someone that strong in their faith, that strong in their beliefs, because those beliefs are what make true magic happen. And son of a gun, that happened over 2,000 years ago, and here we are talking about him today. And how many millions of people around the world are living their lives in some fashion around his word? That's magic to me, anyway, and that strength of faith. And uh, this is why I want to follow that faith. Because this is a stronger man than I believe me, quite frankly. But what a beautiful thought. There are other stories. There is a story that uh, James Michener tells in The Source about a rabbi who, uh, during the Inquisition, was able to turn himself over to that Inquisition. It's, it's so beautifully told by Michener in this, in this one story. Uh, but this is another example of, of an individual giving him or herself over to their faith. And that's magic to me. But there are other hard, are there other Christians who believe in a different fashion? Well, that's not magic. How can you call that magic? I call it magic, and I don't care what you call it. To me, that's why I am involved with Christ. I love the sign of that strength of your faith, faith in what you believe. I don't know if I'm that strong, but this is the guy I want to follow. And every time I get into some major situation, boom, just like I was told when I was a kid, call on Christ and he'll be there, and son of a gun. I'm still here to tell the story about it, and I believe that that's partly my faith in Christ. And thank you, Christ. So, yeah, and I don't push that a lot. That's just, you know, uh, and that's another thing. You know, I'm not big on telling people that, but we're talking with Matt, and we're talking about Christ. Yeah. And that's how I believe. So I'm looking at it in a very spiritual way, but at the same time, I'm looking at it in a very personal way to me and in a way that a lot of people don't really think that it's, I think, the correct way to see it because I've been corrected by another friend of mine who was a minister mm-hmm. but it doesn't work that way when I told him the story about how I really I fully intend I'm coming back to skate what yeah. where does it say that it doesn't say that I don't like the Bible I don't like the Constitution any book or paper that can be written that can be interpreted in a million different ways by a million different people this is not a sound vessel for me so I'm not a Bible reader even right. though I've taken the classes I don't care. I don't care what the Bible says. I know what's in my heart, and I know the relationship I have with Christ. And that doesn't square with a lot of Christians. Yeah, it's 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 sometimes it's how people interpret it, and I, know, a book and, that can be interpreted a million different ways. People can take the word of Christ yeah. and kill for that. Yes, and, and have they, and they and, and have and yeah. that doesn't yeah. square with me. And they can you know, and people make it for about their own agenda and not about what the scripture actually says about certain situations. And that's why, like, that's why I don't go and try to you know, I don't push the Bible on people a lot, you know, and I, I try to meet them where they're at, you know, and I really try to get more on a personal and a relationship uh, basis with people and not, not try to make them feel uncomfortable or put them in a situation that, you know, they're going to, um, you know, people, people have a, people have a, um, a view on Christians that they have seen and they have like an opinion on them. And I, what I, what I strive to do is just let people know that, you know, just because I love the Lord and that I'm, you know, I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm not a normal person, you know. I still am a normal no, he's, person. He's not a normal. I'm person. not normal, but I mean, I'm you know, I'm a regular guy. But you know, he's I just I just guy. believe that you know Christ died for my sins and that you know I'm gonna right. go to heaven. And right. I don't try to gloat on that and I don't try to shove it down people's throat. But I I do want to see those people that 
don't believe, I do want to see them come and and love the Lord and and come, you know, so I can see them in heaven again. And it does break my heart to see to know a lot of my friends, you know, at least from my opinion and you know what what I believe the scripture says is that, you know, I'm I may not see, I won't see them in heaven, and that's that's really a hard pill to swallow. And you'll see them in heaven. See, and that's and that's where and, Matt and, and I that's did. where we differ. But yeah. that's okay because that yeah. doesn't change my opinion on you, and that doesn't change no. our friendship because no. I know that, um, regardless of you know if we disagree on things, you still value my friendship, oh, yeah. and I still value your friendship. Why do you think that um, hardcore music has this religious element or this religious like subset? Uh, it's interesting to me I, when I was first coming around hardcore, you know, Christian core shows, yeah. it, it blew my mind. I, I, I was an outsider yeah. at the time and I was like, first of all, th- this does not seem like a religious experience. No, not at all. And second of all, um, I'm very confused. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, but some so, of those bands so, are absolutely incredible. Being so, and, 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 and you know, this, yeah. this yes. is a, uh, this is, and I mean, I get it now, but I'm curious if you could maybe explain to somebody out there. I mean, hardcore music, it's, it's loud. It's in your face. It's, it's heavy. Hard it's hard to make out what the people are singing or screaming. Yeah. And, and, and in a show like this, a lot of the time, uh, a front man or a front woman perhaps will address the crowd. They'll talk about the good word. They'll talk about uh, surrendering yourself to Jesus Christ and all yeah. that. Well, um, go ahead. Yeah. Well, the community, well, there's, there's the difference between the secular hardcore and the Christian hardcore is they're, they're actually similar in a way because they're all kind of like, they all have an agenda. So, or they have the, the, and what I mean by that is in the hardcore scene, a lot of the times people are pissed off and they're upset and they're angry and they're mad. They're, they're upset about, um, different things that have happened in their life or they, they don't like authority or, you know, in the hardcore scene, same thing with the punk rock scene, you know, they have, you know, about community. They're about love, you know, about sticking with their people. They're about, you know, um, about achieving the goal. But the thing is when, when I was booking all the hardcore shows, I felt a part of something and I felt like I was a part of a family. Let's go back to your wife for a moment and then we'll, we'll yeah. move forward. But I just wanted to ask that question about how, uh, meeting her caused your faith to come back into focus. Cause it you did. said, you said you'd moved away from booking Christian core and then, and meeting her was an important moment. Meeting, meeting Rachel was really important because I, Tom Tom knows this too that I I never thought that I'd find anybody that loved me and anybody that liked me. I never had a girlfriend up until her. And I went through <laughs> girls that have wrote me around and really messed with my heart and really like um you know cuz I I I was a fat guy. I was really fat. I was not the most uh and I still feel that way sometimes, but I mean I really was never thought that I'd find anybody that would love me and it was a lot of confidence issues and it was a lot of, because, you know, I had to really be okay with the fact that I'm fat Matt and you know, that's who I am. That's kind of what I am. And I let that personality and that persona be kind of who I am. And, and that was a nickname you gave to yourself, right? No, it actually wasn't. I didn't give that you name. You insisted on it for a while. I didn't give that name to myself. It was actually given to me by uh, Mike Weatherly from uh, Covenant. Um, he was Fat Mike because he liked No Effects uh, with Fat Mike from No Effects. And so yeah, yeah. he was Fat Mike. And, I, and then um, he's like, well, you're Fat Matt. And I was like, okay. And then... I was like, you know what? Yeah, you know. You embraced it in a major way. I did, yeah. You, you embraced it in a major way. Here was my thought on it always, if you're curious. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a completely different era. But I always thought, this is unfortunate. Because, because you know, 
I did. I thought this is unfortunate because he is telling people to call him Fat Matt. Okay. And I don't care how confident you want to show to the world. That doesn't feel good, people calling you fat. You know, I, I mean, yeah. it became your nickname and it changed when it became a name, I'm sure, for you. It yeah. wasn't just people saying you're fat. Right. It was you saying, I'm Fat Matt. That's my name. Right. But I always thought, like, if he's giving that name to himself, I don't do that. Right. Don't, don't, you don't have to play a character for these people. Right. You know, fuck these people. Yeah. Uh, and I always thought like, ah, I wish that he didn't feel like he had to do that. I, well, we discussed it a few times. I didn't like calling him fat man. And then it kind of got beat into me. And then it took me a while to get it out of my head again. And well, you and know, because you then know, it became a label. It became his, um, it kind of came who I was because yeah. it made me, and you know, his brand, I, it did become my brand. And here's yeah. the thing. Do I like being called fat Matt? Yes and no, because it made me feel like people cared who I was. It was and affectionate. It was. It made me feel like, oh, people cared that, you know, people actually noticed me. And that's where, when I became Fat Matt, I was being noticed. And I felt like people actually cared about me and cared who I was. And they did. And But when I was just Matt Sangervasi, it was like, nobody cared. And I really didn't feel that way. I honestly didn't feel like people really accepted me and you know and then when i started becoming known as the guy that's working at the phoenix or works back door or works at the front you know or whatever the booking guy it started making me feel a little more confident and then i started being you know like oh hey i'm fat matt yeah i don't care and then i just started saying okay i'm fat matt i'm gonna embrace this and i'm gonna go with it now granted did I realize that through being fat Matt that all the health issues that I would have and the way that my body would feel and you know the fact that I just kept getting fatter and fatter and fatter and it's like oh, I'm just fat Matt so that's what I do and I go eat and you know make up it was part of the brand it was absolutely part of the brand and you know and I and I embraced it you oh, know and man, I was the working food was not good oh you what's because you're a vegetarian so whatever <laughs> did you like purposefully indulge uh, because you were like hey this is me. It really was the. It was an outlet. It yeah. was an outlet to go. It was go. young and careless. It was that, but it was also I found my identity in food, and I found my identity in the music, and I found my identity um, in making me feel better. And now that I look back at that, I was finding that my identity in things that did not make me really. It, it ultimately made me f- not feel. I don't feel good about it as when I did. I found my identity in Christ now and I and I really let that be who I am is you know yeah I'm I'm fat but you know it's like it was I ate and ate and I got fat because I was depressed and when I was in high school I was depressed I was you know I I had a lot of issues uh that I emotionally dealt with that you know was it was hard and I was a depressed teenager and like I my freshman year I was like 131 140 after that summer, um, because I was so depressed, I was like 210, 220, 210, 220 my sophomore year. And then my my junior year and senior year, by my senior year, I was about 275. And and then I just kept eating, eating, eating. And it was all because I, didn't, I found my identity in food and I went to that as an outlet for all the pain that I was in because I didn't feel like people liked me and I... You know, I always had a, I was always um, looking for attention and I would do things that, you know, would be like, hey, look at me, look at me. And I, and I never got noticed. And Oh, you got noticed. Well, I got noticed in the wrong way. And, but I didn't feel like I, like people actually cared about me. And then when I became Fat Matt, that is where I found 
that people cared about me and people actually started noticing me for who I am. And then girls started liking me and people like paid attention to me, noticing me. But of course, none of those girls actually went anywhere because they just, you know, I don't know. So it wasn't right. And I never, I always had the stance that too, that I would never date anybody that was not, uh, didn't at the time I would date anybody that was uh, not a believer. One thing about you is you are exceptionally dedicated to the things that you love. Yes. I'm passionate uh, about you, it. you, we've talked about a couple chapters of your life here. Yeah. Um, you dedicated yourself to the Phoenix to the extent that you put yourself into some debt and sometimes to your own detriment, you uh, dedicated yourself to the people who are in the bands yeah. and the building here to try to bring the most that you could here. Yeah. Uh, you, you now are married to Rachel, yeah. and it seems like you're giving your all to that. Uh, you want to yes. You want to, well, I mean, you are. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to give do. her a child. You want to build a family with yeah. her. Um, when you have children, you, you want them to be a part of this building. Absolutely. About this community, yeah. too. It, this building is a place... It, it, I've always kind of looked at it as my as a church to me. Like yeah. it's a mission field. It's a um, it's a home, and it's it's a place where people can come and feel comfortable and feel like they don't have to, you know, they could just be themselves. They don't have to feel like they fit in or not. You know, they don't care because this building accepts everybody, and this building loves everybody. And I want my you know, and Tom, Tom absolutely has he takes every one of these people that comes in here and the family and they're his kids. And, you know, he's like I said earlier, he's like a dad to me, but he's also like a dad to a lot of people. And you don't give, I sometimes don't think that you give yourself as much credit because you've done so much to, um, inspire and, um, you know, and, and make us be better people through the stuff that you do. And so I, you know, I want my kids to, absolutely have a relationship with Tom because this place is, um, always been so such a huge part of my life. And I want my kids to have that a part of their life as well. And, you know, and I want them to know you guys and know yeah. the, the legacy of, you know, where their, their father came from and, you know, and who the people that have helped mold me to who I am and, you know, I I want them to be a part of this community. Yeah, this family it, it wants them to be. Yeah, and and I want to say to you, uh, I know that the last eighteen years has been a bit of a roller coaster emotionally, yes, yeah. but as long as we got the mics going and we do have the cameras going, I just want to say to you that you are a very important piece oh, of yes. your community. Thank you, and you are uh, a, a person that deserves you know the focus that we're doing here tonight and so much more because the, the stuff that you've that. brought to the building and that you've brought to your communities has has touched a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Matt, for coming on the show My tonight. My pleasure. Uh, it's been a lot. A lot of fun to talk to you tom and i think a lot of you yes, and have been looking forward true. to doing this episode so, so yeah. thanks for everything you've done in the building and thanks for everything you will do in the future yes, yes the future. sir yes and uh is there anything we left out here tonight that you want to share before you we know, close? i just wanted to let you guys know that i um i have nothing but the respect for you guys in this building and i uh thank you for letting me take this opportunity to come and share um my experiences here and um you know one of the things that I have to make sure that we do before we get done with this episode here is the signature Fat Matt thing is a selfie. We have to do it. And we, we do need to do a selfie. And so I have my camera ready, <laughs> okay. like always. How do we so, do a selfie? All right. So this okay, well, hold on. While you're doing that, yes. you get it queued up. I'm going to say... 
Thanks, Matt. Thanks to everybody who listened. You bet. And I guess we're going to take a selfie now. So yes. what we will do is we will say goodbye to everybody. We'll hit the outro music, and Tom, Matt, and Jim are going to take a selfie. Yes, Thanks sir. for listening, Thank everybody. You. <laughs> <See you. laughs>